0: Hello and welcome again to Cancel Proof. I'm your host, Paul Escondone, along here with... Jason Rank. Good to be with you. And we got a special episode today. Uh, We have a guest, and I'll bring him in in a minute. Um, But what I will first say is we've been talking a lot about the Jacob Chansley case that um, recently was decided. He was sentenced to 41 months less time served for going in the Capitol. He was in Mike Pence's chair, wrote a note, the most visible Person There that day, arguably, and somebody that we are really close to in making a documentary film about. We got to know him before January 6th, uh, interviewed him before January 6th. We did the only sit down interview with him after January 6th. And as the case has evolved over this last year, there have been some fascinating insights and we can't wait to bring them to the world. Uh, So the first few episodes of our podcast have been dealing with that because we are filmmakers and we are doing a couple documentaries, but this is the one that is uh, closest to being uh, out there to the world for the world to see, and is regularly in the news. So um, the news today was there was a bit of a conflict that started brewing um, late last week around who was going to represent Jake going forward. Jake is in the window of time where he has the ability to submit an appeal. And Al Watkins was his lawyer from the very few weeks of his, you know, the very first few weeks uh, of his incarceration all the way up to the plea deal that he made with the government. And then uh, some new lawyers came on the scene, John Pierce and Bill Shipley, and they released a press release that said, hey, we're representing Jake now. Al Watkins responded the same day and said, whoa, 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 hold up. I'm still his lawyer. So that was a development that we did not expect to see, but it happened. And Judge Royce Lambert set a court date for today. It just happened, 12 o'clock noon Eastern time, to kind of figure out what's going on, who's representing him, because the court kind of needs to know. And there seem to be these two battling lawyers. So um, that has been decided, and this is where I will bring our guest uh, Chadwick on. And Chadwick is the host of Liberty Report on YouTube. He is also a very close friend of Jake Chansley, a very close friend of Martha Chansley, and I would say he is probably the closest non-family member to the Chansley family and has been sort of along for the ride as a friend of Jake, a friend of Martha, and, um, you know, dealing with some media inquiries and things like that, kind of representing and helping the family out. So, Chadwick, hello. Hey,
1: uh, Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm glad to glad to be on with you guys. You guys are doing great
0: work and um, fighting that that fight for freedom, freedom of speech, and freedom of the constitution. Really appreciate that, appreciate that, Chadwick. Thank you. Um, first question. I just wanted to get your reaction to that news today. Um, now we know Al Watkins is no longer his lawyer. Uh, Joe John Pierce and Bill Shipley are going to be representing Jake. How do you how do you respond to that? How do you feel about that? I'm ecstatic. You know, I, I've known this um, since right
1: after his uh, first hearing. We, we saw the way Al, Al treated him. We may get on, in, into that later in the uh, conversation and interview. But um, when, when I heard the news today the, with the rest of the public, I actually didn't hear it, but I did know, and the rest of the public heard it. I'm just gl- so happy that Al is in the past. You know, he's done so much damage. I've seen it along the way. And um, it, it, the the bad part about it is just the unknown. So we're just kind of hopeful that maybe he's got some kind of a uh, secret strategy that seems all weird to us, but it's going to unfold, you know, good. And um, even though I doubted that was the case, I, we were hopeful for it. And um, when, I, when I was aware for sure this guy's bad and um, I've known that for some time now, I'm just so glad because it's been a, answer your question. It's been an answered prayer. Like today is an answered prayer. I've been praying so hard that, um, Jake and his mother would see that Al is not the right choice.
0: I'll ask you one more question and then invite my uh, co-host Jason, who, you know, to jump in at any time. But, um, you know, I was in contact with Jake's mom, Jake's mom last week. Uh, you obviously are in contact with Martha pretty, pretty regularly. As I heard it from her, there really wasn't any conflict about who was going to be representing Jake. Once they chose Pearson Shipley, they chose Pearson Shipley. Al Watkins put out a statement saying that he had spoken to Jake and, the, and represented Jake as not wanting this. What's your understanding of what was actually happening behind the scenes? Other than Al jumping in and saying, no, he's still my client. Did there seem to be any conflict there?
1: There was zero confusion, zero conflict. You're absolutely right, Paul. This was something made up by um, Al Watkins and the fake media that he represents so well. They um, wanted to latch and leech onto this and try to cause as much turmoil in this as they could while they had um, uh, some kind of platform and, and uh, voice to do so. But the thing is, Martha, you, you did mention, I, I do speak to Martha quite often. I love Martha to death and, and Jake as well, that family. Uh, Jake's an honorable man, and his mom is I mean, he learned it from somewhere, right? and it would be from his mom, no doubt about it. Uh, she's known for quite a while that Al Watkins is not the man for the job, but unfortunately, he was a very uh, he was a master manipulator uh, manipulator. I guarantee guarantee you that's what he was. And um, she, she was hopeful, too, just like we all were. Um, she was done with him a long time ago, but she was h- hopeful that he was getting... Uh, the promise was, the idea was, the, the great idea was Jake was going to get time served. Um, and Al, he, 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 had a, he had a big lie of his own, strung it along the whole way, but that was never the case. Uh, we read all the paperwork, and there was never any chance in um, Al's uh, plea agreement, that he, he um, agreed to that there's any chance of Jake ever getting out to see his dying grandfather
2: or much less um, that, that time served uh, to get out, you know. You know, Chadwick, um, I would I would wonder what would you be willing to share at this point about some of the things that you experienced in your interactions around Al Watkins and, and some things that. Stick out to you where you're where you're when you go back and you're like, Yeah, I don't think this is the right guy. And you had serious questions about Al.
1: Oh, uh, I'm willing to open up about every single thing about Al. I've I've let him know. Um, because you know, I, I said, Listen, there's there's things I saw that could be done in a, a timely matter still that we had time to do. I was like, These things need to be done, you know. If, if I find out that you're A, a liar, B, trying to sabotage this, C, all these bad things that I called him out on, uh, now I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that no one ever hires you as their client again and, and is treated the way that Jake was. Um, so to specifically answer your question, Jason, I think you're trying to um, ask when specifically did I start doubting Al is yeah when did
2: when did you start having an indication where you were like hmm I don't know that this guy is the right guy to get the outcome that we hope for with Jake
1: Oh boy I was really excited let me start off with saying that I was really excited for Al Watkins in the beginning. He was, we, I found out that he was the lawyer that represented the, um, I'll butcher their name if I try to say it, but, uh, the couple, with the, the guns out in front, were the McCloskey, the
0: McCloskey's out of St. Louis. Yes. Sorry. I actually
1: met them. I met them at an event. Um, oh. but any, yeah. So they, um, when I, when I saw it, I was like, great, this is great news. But as I started digging in there right in the beginning, um, we started to see those, he had a lot of interviews. You know, a lot of, um, TV time you could see in the background of his office, there's just nothing but, um, magazines of himself and accomplishment of himself. And so, you know, that raised a little red flag, but it it wasn't enough where this isn't the right guy It's like, okay, he's pretty cocky, pretty full of himself. That could be a good thing. Um, as it continued on, I would say the first big moment and it may have happened a little before that like little suspect things because we had lots of conversations. Um, Okay, let let me take it back. I'd have to say the very first moment would be the very first hearing um, that he, when he represented Jake, I think it was the first hearing that Jake had here in Arizona in a federal court. If I believe so, I may have represented him at this hearing. But the first time I remember him Um, and, and there was a lot, we had a conversation. I had a conversation with Al Al before and let him know a bunch of things that was important to know because I knew they weren't wanting to let him out because being a flight risk, they're trying to say he was a danger to the community. And there's a couple of things that I had specific evidence to prove otherwise. Um, Uh and so I provided that with Al Watkins and when he didn't object to those things, in in a way that would be justifiable to, okay, that counters are what we think is dangerous to the community. There's several different things we have for that. When it was um, the flight risk, we had him. uh, You guys will have a call that comes out. I can't wait for the movie Q sent me. But that's when the world will see exactly um, what I've been trying to tell everyone. Uh, That's going to be the proof of how the big fraud, the big liar didn't represent Jake. um, I, I'm, I'm going to get into a tangent, so let me continue on the first moment. So during those first hearings, he, um, he didn't say anything that we talked about. And so when he didn't say anything, just to get to the point, when he didn't say anything that we talked about in the call before, it ra- it raised the biggest red flag. I was like, I'm yelling at, at, at the phone because I'm listening to all right. of them. I'm like, whoa, they're saying stuff against Jake that you know You could prove otherwise, you could say otherwise, you could object, well, that's not true, for example, blah, 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 and it just never came out, so I would call him, um, if I couldn't get a hold of him, I had his uh, private investigator uh, personal phone number that would answer every time, and he's a good man, I still believe he's a good man to this day, a patriot, and he, then he started, when I started calling him later on, uh, this would probably be, I would say around, July, maybe a little after July, even that private investigator started questioning now. saying mm. Because that private investigator, I don't want to give his name, obviously, but he was um, in the studios each time that he was doing um, interviews with CNN. And he's standing there like, listen. he tell me, like, I was standing there watching the interview. I'm watching him talk to Cuomo, just shaking my head in disbelief at the stuff he's saying. Wow. Because I would call up furious, absolutely So mad this guy says, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. I don't know what he's thinking. He just must be really brilliant. He had even this guy and this guy had very high credentials in his, before he retired and became a a private investigator. They even had him manipulated that he had some grand strategy, but just questioned every single step of the way. But the cherry on the pie, when I knew for sure is when he called everyone, um, Well, we know the short bus riders, that that was the, you don't do that. That was the final straw for me.
2: A lot of these defendants, they're all F-word short bus people. These are people with brain damage. They're F-word R-words.
1: Before that one was, uh, he said that Jake was duped by the president. And I was on the phone with Jake almost every single day during that time he was incarcerated and so when jake called me that day when that news came up because the day before three different people said hey why is jake saying he's duped by the president uh, you know i was like that's fake news don't believe everything you hear three people told me it, texted me it. i was like okay let me look into this i call martha hey uh, have you heard about this she's like uh yeah i don't know what this is about freaking ow And she was always very upset at Al, the stuff he was doing. Yeah, let me just jump Um, in here.
0: I just want to say, it it seems like Al was able to do these things. Uh, People on the inside would not be happy with him, but he was able to kind of win them over. And then their minds would seem changed by the next day, and they would be back on board with Team Al. Just chatting with you Mm -hmm. over the months, chatting with Martha over the months. I got that vibe a lot. And, um, yeah. you know, I know you don't speak for Martha, but what did you see there from Al in his interactions with y'all directly where he was able to do these things that felt like last straws, but then also bring people back into, hey, this is part of a strategy. I mean, what is it about him that, that, that why that kept happening, would you say?
1: You know how you can really tell a sneaky, sleazy slime ball? Is because they they always like use words that aren't really their own. They try to describe something, you know, like like um, I don't know. How, it, it's almost like he would try to use a scenario, some fake scenario, to make it seem like it was really good, you know. So you're so you're thinking of some other totally opposite of what you're thinking about. You're thinking about some whole other scenario that he just is making up and making it up like roses and butterflies or whatever you want to hear that's what's in this scenario i can't think off of the top of my head one of these examples but it was always redirected to some other fake story that would you'd be like oh okay yeah and and by the end of it it's like we have to do this right and it usually comes down to we have to make the judge happy If we do, we have to play this right. I know this game. We're playing with a different type of corruption here. He was happy to tell you that he was playing with a different, he would be happy to tell you the judge is corrupt. I think the judge is an honorable man, just like Jake does. I don't know if, if there's something to that, but evidently Al doesn't think so. If you want to know the truth of it, he doesn't think that that was a stand-up guy, Um, along with any of the prosecutors or anyone else. But yet, it seems like they got along real well after they get off a conversation. He told me personally, the prosecutors understand that Jake is a nonviolent guy, that um, this, they understand this is too harsh. But the thing of it is, if they let him out, you're going to have some angry people. If you have him say in, you're going to have some angry people. And it was obvious what, what angry people they were uh, more afraid of.
2: Yeah, and so, I mean, I think what what it comes down to is there's this idea that, number one, the way that Al was representing Jake in the public eye and, you know, choosing outlets to go on to that might not be very friendly to Jake or might want to promote a negative image of Jake versus him going on outlets that might be a little bit more friendly to Jake. Um, And then the fact that he was maybe not being... He wasn't giving necessarily all of the information to either Martha or those who were outside of the case, and maybe re- representing things to Jake one way, not giving full information to you guys. I mean, it just seems like there, were, there ended up being a breakdown in the trust that started being like, oh, this this uh, attorney's really brilliant and and he's he knows what he's doing. We're not lawyers to the place where it was like, wow. I don't know what this guy is doing, and we're getting contradictory stories from Jake, and so there just yeah. was a uh, an undermining of the confidence as things continue to go on, and Jake's sitting there in jail for over three hundred days.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know I don't know what the whole deal is with that Watkins. I hope that gets. Fully uncovered somehow, you know, I, I'm glad that it's moved on from out. That's probably a whole, a whole separate story to uh, tackle. But the fact of the matter is he a hundred percent factually misled Jake. That, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Um, he, he, he gave Jake hope. Like this is the worst, worst cruel thing you could do is give somebody play off of their emotional off of a, 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 possible lost loved one, or that is definitely going to be, uh, die here pretty soon. And you play off of that emotion and get someone to sign a a plea bargain with a chance that you could get out. You know, there's a chance you could get out to see him before he dies. And he played off of that emotion that he found it finally after 10 months, maybe a little bit before that, when they started this deal, but finally played off of that. And, um, Jake went and signed it. And when we looked at it, I have somebody, um, that I know pulled up the, the document said, dude, check this out a little bit deeper. If Al's promising that there's a chance that he could get out, there's not. And we looked through those documents that you, you guys have seen as well. And there was, it was right there. It literally said, there's no chance for, for it. You know, there's no chance to get out. Uh, I forget the exact wording. We'll have to pull that up at, at, sometime before the documentary, but, um, says right there, you have no chance of getting out. It was like 10 or 15 pages long. And what I believe is that Jake trusted his lawyer, you know, maybe rather than reading every single word of that. And like, like in a position I've been in before, I trusted my lawyer that uh, the documents were right. And he was telling me the right things. Okay. There's a chance I could get out. That's what's most likely happening. And I trusted his counsel. That's what he's hired for. Yeah. he he was misled.
2: Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think when you what complicates things here is, you know, you know, Jake was in solitary confinement, you know, 23 hours a day locked up for months and months on end. I mean, yeah. you know, and you know, we we heard Jake at his sentencing hearing and it's like he sounded incredible. Like you couldn't believe yeah. that this is a guy who mm. the, the the state had tried to mentally break him like that and he was still very articulate he was still very thoughtful like he had his he had his thoughts collected but but yet you know to be in that situation he's not in an optimal place to make complex decisions about his case or what he's agreeing to he needs to rely on his lawyer for that because again he was he was mentally compromised from being in solitary confinement and so it seems as though you know Al may have you know, I don't know. He just may have taken advantage of that situation um, to a certain degree. Uh, absolutely right. He, he took advantage of, he, he, he found
1: many ways to take advantage of not only Jake, but Martha as well. And um, then he used even ways to take advantage of keeping me quiet. You know, Yeah. I, I mean, he was, he's definitely not dumb. I don't think I was dumb at the slightest degree. He just uses his smartness. In an evil way, you know, it's a, a very shady way. Uh, he came on here to to get attention. Let's let's be honest. He came on on this case. It's a high profile case, and was going to make a name for himself. Um, when you guys find out what he was charging Martha, that's a whole different ball game. But I I don't know if I've ever heard of those numbers of even the highest among highest of profile cases. You guys are going to be astonished. And the thing of it is, he never once. Showed itemized receipts. Like, I mean, it, there's just so much more to the shady and crookedness of Al ins And I believe you guys are doing an interview with Jake coming up. I don't want to spill the beans, but I, I received a text from Martha right after you guys let me know that um, Jake wants to interview with you guys. And Martha texted me right after that saying, Jake is ready to drop the hammer on Al. So I know you guys' conversation is going to be very fruitful, and Jake's ready to let it all out. Uh, Al Watkins is done. He really messed up big by not treating this. um, uh, Like I told you, that private investigator, he -hmm. would tell me that he was on Al Watkins' case saying, man, you got to put more time into this. Like you should be – all your time should be focused on getting Jake home. That should be – And for someone to have to tell you that, he was telling me that he had to tell him that just show me that it was on the back burner. He had other cases, J6 defendants that he was spending more time on. I know this because the private investigator was telling me this. And he was trying to tell him, listen, you got to focus more on getting Jake home. That needs to be your number one priority.
0: You know what we don't hear, Chadwick? We don't hear a lot of people cheering on Al saying he did a great job. We've heard a lot of criticism from people that are sympathetic to Jake. And I don't know who's out there saying, hey, great job. You got him. 41 months could have been worse. Now, it is true that by the statute, these people were facing 20 years. But let's be honest, interrupting Congress, was anybody going to get 20 years? Maybe the first week after January 6th or the first month when there was a lot of pressure and momentum to just completely destroy these people, was that even considered? But they were never gonna get. They were never gonna look for anything like that, right? They were looking at sentencing guidelines. So I don't know who thinks Al did a great job. Even people that hate every single human being that was in D.C. on the sixth, nobody's saying, "Hey, that's," you know, nobody's nobody's cheering him on there. So that's what I'm wondering. Like I don't feel that, or it could be said that he did not put up a vigorous defense for Jake. And if you think he won by getting him 41 months, which ties as the highest sentence to date, I just don't know what you're thinking. So I, I don't think he can go back to his offices and go like, I really kicked ass for my client there. I don't know what he thinks, but I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, it can't be a win from the side of Jake Chansley, correct?
1: Well, that, that's what makes. No, absolutely not absolutely not a win. Um, uh, there want to be new lawyers involved in trying to appeal, you know, this. And so, but for him to even think, like when he went on CNN afterwards and he almost looked like he had his chest puffed out, like he was so proud of what he had just accomplished. The sentence was for the offense of uh, disrupting an official proceeding. Do you agree with that?
0: Obstruction, yes, felony.
1: And it was, uh, it was disgusting, first of all, to even watch that. But you even think for a second that, that that was a win for him. I, I can't imagine that. He, um, after what he did, let's, let's take a look at this. While Jake was praying, there was a guy right below Jake. There's a picture of him holding the flag, that guy with long hair. In that, right in that picture where Jake's up there praying. That man um, signed a plea bargain maybe last month, but not too long ago. For eight months, the exact same charge that Jake is pleading to. Exact same charge. Now, one hmm. person pled for eight months, and one person pled for 41 months.
0: Like, and to add on to that, now, Chadwick, to add on to that, Richard Barnett, mm-hmm. who is arguably yeah. the second most visible person, the man who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, he's a free That's man good. right now with an ankle monitor. He got out now on he's got bail. got his feet up on a lawnmower. Yeah. So, you know, we saw that there were lawyers out there with high profile defendants who were able to do the job to secure their client's release, put the arguments forward to secure their client's release. And I mean, I think it's just a fact at this point. Al Watkins did not put the arguments forward to secure his client's release. He asked the court for Jake to be released. But the arguments, I think, w- were f- were lacking. It they didn't work. He got forty one months for his clients. That's the worst. It's not. It's not near the best. It's tied for the worst. So you just see a you just see a guy who kind of just didn't didn't bring it. Um, one can say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and his well, client was not a violent person that day. There were other people who yeah. were violent that day. His client was not the the, the wow. most violence jake showed uh was you know a, a bit of a verbal confrontation with the police officer and that wasn't even violent you know mm-hmm. the only person that really had to be scared of jake that day was the guy who was trying to steal the muffin from the break room i would say yep. <laughs> cuz jake might have smacked that out of his hand
1: <laughs> right that's absolutely right there's um well we got to be honest i will walk in what, what what i came to the point of when I realized what Al Watkins, he was trying to do, which was not going to trial like he was telling me all along, but his job was to get, it, get Jake to sign a plea bargain and get him to own up for being, in, as Al would put, in the wrong, you know? And that was his whole case because that's what he was telling them all along the way, that you're in doors that you shouldn't have been inside of. You know, you went through metal detectors that you shouldn't have gone across. Instead of having a lawyer that was saying, hey, like, like other people I've seen that you have a whole crowd that's taking you in like a current of a river, you know, and you have a lawyer pleading that defense, and, and it works because it's true. That's actually trying to defend your client, not trying to get him to agree to, to say that you're in the wrong. You know, there, there's two sides. There's lawyers. You guys both know a lawyer that I'm talking of that I know is the right guy. If we be completely honest and uh, talking about John and uh, Bill Shipley, John Pierce, I don't believe those guys are the right guys for the job. I'm so happy that they are um, here right now rather than now. I don't know how much better they are than now. Right now they're a billion times better than now. Anybody is better than now. If they're the right men for the job, time will tell. Um, I believe I know who the right man is for the job. I think you guys know who that is too, who I'm thinking of. I don't know if it's the best um, best to say it out loud because we do want to stay in good standings with this lawyer. But, yeah. but the fact We the can leave is,
0: that kind of behind the scenes for now. So yeah, I, we know who you're talking I, about and, and the audience can, can ask the question.
2: Yeah. And, and just but to, to reiterate what you said, Chadwick, like we, it's a new, it's a new chapter- so what we yeah. can do is continue to you know to pray to uh, to yeah. hope that things will shift in a way that now it's just all about can Jake you know see freedom earlier than forty one months less time served or roughly you know 30, 29, 30 months from now um, that's that's the goal now is to see if he can walk out the doors a free man sooner than what Al Watkins has has managed to get him. And, and that is true. Time will tell. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I think uh, your insights are, are really great and your ability to break down some of this stuff. Uh, again, it, it's definitely behind the curtain for a lot of people to know that this is, this didn't just happen overnight. It, it wasn't just, oh, uh Al lost the case and okay, now we're going with new lawyers. You know, no, this has been It's been a while that it's been brewing where I think Jake was looking for the opportunity to, to change, you know, horses, so to speak.
1: And you got to think about it. Like imagine that you do think you're looking at 20 years, right? So that's all you think you're sitting in solitary confinement for a long time. This is real serious to you, real serious to you. Your life is in the balance looking at 20 years. And with the only person you think that could help you, he's telling you that there's a chance how much are you really wanting to fire that guy? Even though you've disagreed with some of the stuff that he's done and yeah. you don't really agree with it, but he's telling you, man, listen, I, the judge is going to, there's a very, very high likely chance. We've spoken. I've spoken to the, they had the a probation officer come out and look at at the house he'd be living at, at Martha's house. You know, they made it really seem like, yes, he's like, it. it we thought, Martha thought a hundred, I would say 99.9% sure Jake was coming out on time serve. She really, really believed it. So when your life, you're really scared or you don't know what's going to happen. You're not, that's not your first choice is trying to fire a guy because you don't, you don't, it's not like you have people just lined up and you don't know because you're in solitary confinement. So you don't really know what the word is out there. He's in a tough spot. Anybody that's had any family that's been locked up knows that there is no way to fight a case behind, behind bars. You know, that innocent until proven guilty, really doesn't apply when you're sitting behind bars (laughs) until your trial. It's pretty crazy. Yeah.
2: And I just want to say one last thing here. The other job of an attorney isn't just to fight the case in the courtroom, but it's also to make a case in the court of public opinion out in the world to the minds and hearts of people who are, who are out here seeing this unfold. And one thing that was clear is during the time in which Jake found himself in custody uh, in early January to when the sentencing was, the, the sentiment in public opinion has shifted vastly around January 6th and specifically Jake for, I think, a lot of people. Um, and there was still a lot of work that could have been done. You know, I mean, it's interesting because I just went on Tucker Carlson like a week or so ago, and congratulations
1: on that too. Oh, thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks. And and but you know, note that Al wasn't on there. He didn't go on there months before. I mean, Tucker, you know, did make a case uh, around Jake and talked about Jake. You know, on his own. You know, for he. he, It's not like he. It's not like he ever had. Al on there. It's not like Al was ever going into these mm-hmm. friendly audiences who might actually be able to, to get some momentum behind, like seeing something happen different. And so I think, I think Al really didn't do anything effective in trying to shape public opinion around mm-hmm. Jake's case, which is again, that's just is part of the lawyer's job.
0: Especially a high
2: profile yeah, case, that. A, poli- a
0: politically motivated case, you know, Absolutely. where, where, yeah. So in January, Public sentiment was how it was, and these guys, it looked like they were going to get the book thrown at them. Fast forward seven, eight months, now Tucker Carlson is bringing to his audience a sympathetic view of what happened, and nobody's excusing. I mean, there are some people out there that say they should walk free today, tomorrow. Most people recognize that he broke some law, some rule. There's some punishment for doing that but I think we disagree on what that is, right? There are people out there on Twitter that says, give him the death penalty. Like, that's crazy, but some (laughs) people believe that. Some people believe he should have got way more than 41 months. That's, you know, some people believe that. So, you know, I wanted to ask you a question. I think we've, thank you for answering these questions, and I think we've um, exhausted a lot of the um, conversation around. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I, I I just wanted to ask you, I want to go back to January and ask you a question. Um, Do you think that Jake has um, second thoughts on his actions on the 7th of January and the 8th of January, specifically being so willing to call the FBI and talk to them, being so willing to talk to media after he talked to us? And, And I want to ask that from the frame of, this was a guy that was talking about the government being a dangerous force in his life. You know, he was following Q stuff. He understood that there was a deep state. So, you know, I asked myself, how could a guy that is is talking about these, what we can call conspiracies, uh, that that emanate from the three-letter agencies and emanate from the federal government be so willing to just call the FBI and be like, hey, I got nothing to hide. Because even if he had nothing to hide, he knows how... They operate. He talked about Operation Mockingbird. He talked about these experiments and, um, you know, he talked about this thing. He was aware he was well read into these things. So I guess my question for you is, and I don't know either through, probably this didn't come out during jailhouse conversations, but do you think he would do it differently now if he could? I, I would have to imagine so.
1: I would have to truly imagine that he would not have spoke to them. Um, without a lawyer. But I do believe that his belief on the reason why he did speak to him didn't change. Um, and and so that, you know, I can't answer his question completely, or uh, the answer completely for him, because he may say, I'll do it again 100%. Because I do know that he is, his honor to him, his, his, um, being able to always speak the truth and not want to lie, his, his just wanting to be a stand-up man and a good person always comes first. And when, as soon as he found out, and he knew that he had a chance to be be that honorable man and and own up to anything that was was being accused of him, because you got to remember in those in those uh, days that you're talking about those couple of days, there was he had zero, absolute zero inclination in his mind that he would be going to jail, you know? I think there might have been a couple moments during those conversations with the FBI officer that he had those thoughts if he was going to jail. Um, I, I he, he teared up a couple of times during that con- It was a long conversation, and I know you guys have seen it. He's teared up. But when he asked them, um, because we came across some new footage, he asked them, and it's on camera, am I going to be arrested when I see you? Because the the concern was another honorable reason, because he told someone he was going to be somewhere at a certain time, at 12 o'clock, and he was going to be there to speak. Um, And so he asked the officer, hey, I told someone that I'm going to there's lots of people actually counting on me to come speak uh, at noon, I have given them my word. I don't want to, if, if I'm going to be arrested, um, at least I can let them know, Hey guys, I'm not going to be there. I'm actually going to be getting arrested. Right. Uh, that was like his yep. verbatim word. And um, the officer, um, it, it was a no. Jake, Jake turned around he, he looked at me in his eyes and said, I'm good. Cause I said, are you okay, man? He kind of put his, his head down and started rubbing his eyes. And I had this feeling like he may have gotten some bad news right now and was taking that hard. I asked him if he's okay. He looked around with a happy smile. No, I'm good, man. He's like, they told me they weren't going to arrest me. So that's a weight off my, you know, he, he, I was like, okay, good. That that was a big relief. But in the, in my head, I know how they have the authority to lie. You know, they actually are, they don't have, they don't follow the same. It's whatever to get you to hear what they need to hear from you you know, and lying is okay. It's not against the, the routine for them.
0: Well, thanks. Code. Yeah. Th- I mean, thanks for answering that. I know you can't speak for Jake, but it's something that I've, you know, I I've wondered, I, I will ask him that question one day. And, you know, I ask also because it was clear to me when we spoke to him on the morning of the seventh, that he didn't, didn't really think that he was in much trouble. And I kind of in a heart to heart way off camera said like you, really got to be worried about this. Um, I had been seeing, I think, probably more media coverage than he had by that time. You know, I I had consumed hours of how the media was talking about him before he was even off the streets, and Jason has that conversation. So I think the writing was on the wall pretty early that they were going to come after people hard. It was going to be made a – it was going to be a political circus immediately, and Jake being the most visible person – I mean, I I just – you know, you kind of ask yourself, how'd you end up here? I happen to know the most visible person in the Capitol that day through just a random, a series of random events. Maybe you think that way sometimes like, man, how did my close friend end up being Jake Chansley who ended up doing that? You know, you roll the dice a thousand times and probably 900 times he doesn't end up there. And it's just so many crazy circumstances happened to go a certain way. But um, yeah, I tried to, I tried to warn him and I don't, I don't think it, it clearly didn't work. And I've asked myself, man, couldn't, could I have said more, you know, cause I told him like, you probably don't want to be talking to the media and you, I, I, tr- I got him thinking about getting a lawyer before talking to anybody. And when I found out he talked to the FBI without one, I felt really, um, like I didn't do my job, you know, like he, like, yeah. man how different things could have been maybe at the end of the day he would have gotten a little bit a little bit more freedom before getting picked up anyway i don't know how much how much it affects but when you actually go back and listen to that first court hearing in january little innocuous things that jake did because we know jake and we know where they were coming from the government used as signs of a threatening insurrectionist you know simple things like him having his suit in the car you know his outfit in the car well, we know. Wait, what? So when wow. Jake, yeah, when Jake went to t- went to turn himself in, he in the car had his, you yeah. know, little toy spear and his flags and his, um, his outfit. That and yeah, that yeah. that dovetails completely with knowing that Jake was going to go do more events because he didn't think he was going to be arrested, right? Well, the government Absolutely. turned around and said we need to lock this guy up. We can't let him out because clearly he's planning on doing more insurrection-y things. They use Uh that against him. And, like, Uh, he wasn't thinking about that, right? I mean, if he had simply shown up without, you know, without that in his car, that would have taken – maybe 20% of the wind out of their sails, but they were just grasping at things to try to make them sound dangerous. And unfortunately, Lambert never had to say we're keeping them in jail, right? We're keeping them in federal custody. All Lambert had to say is I'm not changing the thing the judge before me did. So him getting, him not being allowed bail in January it's like a it's like a court decision that goes to the Supreme Court. The easiest thing for the Supreme Court to do is to say we're not going to take the case. We're not going to change anything. Whatever they ruled on before that's fine. That was really the position right. that Lambert had been in. Had Jake been allowed release early, that would have probably changed yep. the ball game, but unfortunately Absolutely. he wasn't talking to a lawyer. He what he didn't take my advice. Not that my advice is great, but I you know, I told him don't talk to anybody. I mean, I know when the government, when the federal government's going after you, like say nothing, just say, say nothing. nothing. Talk, yeah. get a lawyer, say absolutely nothing. Now, some people will take it like Steve Bannon, right? That that has some consequences, <laughs> but he's literally saying nothing, right? And he's got his own reason for that. But if it's you know, right. we have a we have the Fifth Amendment, you know, we have the right to right. not, uh, what's it called, to not not incriminate not ourselves. incriminate ourselves. <laughs> Right, yeah. and I I, 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 don't know. I, I only bring that up in that way because I'm one of the few human beings on the earth, maybe the only one, that said, "Hey, you're in for a world of hurt. Don't talk to anybody, please." And he didn't take my advice, you know, because he didn't think he had to. And uh, I'm so, so I'm just in an interesting position, having offered him that advice, you know.
1: Well, I mean, it, he's a different type of person in many ways, and his open his openness and his open book to just really not be shy at all really had a lot to play in, in him being so willing to make that phone call. I mean, he, he made that phone call too. It had to have been so nerve wracking. I don't even like being on camera, you know, but not only was he making a very nerve wracking phone call after doing your number one all over the news. Cause I mean, he knew how big it was. He was getting calls from all over the world, you know, different countries calling overseas. But, um, the thing was he, uh, oh man, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Sorry, guys.
2: Oh, I think you were just saying he was the type of person who was an open book and, you know, yeah. yeah.
1: Let me go back to that real quick is the thing was, uh, I had the video camera on him and it was dark at night, so I had to turn the flash on And, and, you know, the whole time, like before this day. Um, as we're going up, I was being respectful as a friend and not trying to record everything, right? Because I don't want him to be like the subject. And so like, that's all I'm trying to do. It's, even though he's such a great subject to record. So I try to keep um, really him out of the camera to know that that's not what I, I, I enjoy his friendship more than just trying to get content. But at, at, at a certain point, I just, it, it was the camera had to be on him all the time. And I let him know he was cool with it. And he started taking some of those real, that FBI call. And it was dark time when when that call came, man. So I let him know. I was like, dude, I got to turn the flashlight on. He said, no, no, cool. So not only is he taking this call, but he's got a camera a couple inches away from his face with a flash directly in his eyes. You know, it's just like, and he just still remained completely calm. It had no emotion peak. You know what I mean? Like Mm. nothing was really getting it. He just was answering everything like an open book to, to him. And not only that, but a term that he went by very well was he loved to read pill people, which was mean. he liked to tell truth to people. Um, and that's what he was uh, doing to that FBI, FBI officer. He got off the phone. And I was like, dude, you're you're real red telling the FBI officer and, you know, you laughed about it and stuff. And that's, right. yeah, you guys are going to see that.
2: Yeah. And you know, in a way it's almost like this, the kind of guy he was, he's like, you know, thinking this guy I'm on the other line with, he might be a, a part of these alphabet agencies that, you know, uh, are, aren't, don't have our best interests in mind, but, Oh, but if I can just reach the human being, that i'm on the phone yeah. with that guy's eyes yeah. might be open to some truth and yep. and you know that that was his mission in life and so yeah, it's just right and that's you know that you bring up that that is a really crazy insight into a lot of the character i think of jake as is, is him being an open book and him looking out to try to inform and help another person in the way that yeah. he would you know see that as helping somebody
1: uh it's totally incredible well, he, he- yeah, when he said, he said, James Comey got a lot of you guys in danger. So he was like on, on his side, like you guys were, you know, in, in, in harm's way because of Comey and people like that. You right. know, so he, that's exactly your
2: point. He was trying to look out for him and get him to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> oh, like, man. yeah, it's like there's a bit of naivete to that. And, um, you know, again, but I think it's it, it isn't as much being naive as as seeing the best in other people that I think is also something that I experienced from Jake is him like being open and seeing the humanness of another being that he's talking to, you know, and it comes, it comes out in a lot of the spiritual dimension of like how Jake carries himself. But yeah. It's not, he wasn't accused of Porter
1: because he loved these crazy conspiracies. It goes exactly to his caring for other human beings. When he found out there was a person, you know, trying to warn people about, possible sex trafficking. Wow. How crazy is that? Look at the case that's going on right now, yeah. you know, but um, when there's stuff like that going on in the world, that was something that really touched his heart. He worked in a boy's home to help, you know, these young kids that went, came from broken families because it was something that, that really touched him, you know, what he had to deal with with his father. And it was a passion to him when he saw this Q movement was really pushing any anything that had to do with maybe trafficking, any type of trafficking, he
0: was all for rising to the occasion to put it into that you know yeah. whatever it was and yeah you know just I just want I want to add in you know in the on the live stream before you came on Jason and I were kind of we were talking about Jake and how you know, we never really saw him as an ultra-political force. We saw him as a guy that got was attracted to causes, and the cause that yeah. activated him was the cause of child sex trafficking and yep. sexual abuse, and he was very strong about that. So now that when you talk about what may have attracted him to Q, yeah, one of yep. Q's big things um, was sex trafficking and child abuse and child endangerment. And, you know, we could, you know, there's a whole story about who is behind that. And, you know, the shadowy figures yep. behind that, and they may yep. be right, or they may be wrong. And that's a conversation that that may be right or wrong, irregardless of this thing called Q who, who who's popularized it, right? Either it sure. happens or sure. it doesn't. We know sex trafficking does happen. And most black market industries, there are few powerful people kind of at the top of those things, right? That's not that crazy. Um, so yeah, so I, I I can see you framing it up that way that, yeah, Jake was really into trying to help those that were affected who didn't have a voice, you know, helpless people. I mean, well, who's more helpless than a child, you know, being thrown into slavery essentially. That's, you know, who's fighting for those people? Well, Jake, Jake wanted to, and that's what got him. I think that is, that was his gateway into politics. And then Q had a lot to say, obviously, about the election and, and Donald Trump. And he started caring about that. But that's he didn't start right. that way. He just was part of a community and wanted to help help people, as I see it. And I, I don't know if you do, yeah. too.
1: And, and it all starts from his childhood. And that's what you guys are going to explore um, and show the people the rough nature that he endure, endure, endured as, as a young child all the way up to— to where he's at now, really um, takes place. And like his mom always says, it's unbelievable to see his heart, to see a man, this man, from what he went through and what he went through with his father, uh, stepdad, and, and all of that situation growing up, to where he's at now and able to just pray over people, take a leadership role to, to try to stand against Um, inhumane things, whether it be against cruelty to animals or cruelty to humans that that, he just cares about human life. He really does. That's what it comes down to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we're hoping that this is that these developments with his legal counsel is going to help, help turn a corner. Uh, obviously the story's not over. And I mean, obviously the story's not over until way beyond all of this happens because, you know, Jake is going to emerge, from jail at some point a different person and is going to have some sort of impact on the world. We've yet to see what that is, but until then, man, um, we're looking forward to talking to you more about this and the developments. And uh, do, do you uh, want to take a chance to uh, share where people can follow some of the work that you're doing there with the Liberty report? Yeah, you guys could definitely find me on YouTube, uh, which is just li- hash
1: forward slash, um, Liberty Report MakeLibertyGreat.com and then one thing I really want to say to, the, to anyone listening right now is before you ever pass judgment on anyone please know the truth don't listen to another human being before passing your judgment on them just you know, do your own research and find out because it's been real sad to see over this last year so many people passing judgment that I, I know are false judgment because I actually know the guy yeah. You know, and it, it's been kind of a, a fun argument when you're arguing with someone that's arguing a news story that you know is fake compared to someone that actually knows the person. But wow. to everyone, I appreciate you guys' support. Um, know the man. And thank you to Jason and Paul that is allowing, uh, giving giving um, a platform, a voice to figure out who this man really is. Thank you so much, Paul and Jason. And thanks for having me on. we got to do it again.
0: Well, thank you, Chadwick, and with that, we will sign off. Thanks again for watching this episode. Hope we will bring you another one very soon, and we appreciate you.